Pictures are superior to any mechanical system, but only because they're alive. Almost any other life form could compete with them, any higher life form. If the yucks can put out living minds to protect their planets, we ought to be able to harness some of our own life forms in a similar way. Let's make use of the same weapon ourselves. Which life form do you propose to use? I think the human brain is the most agile of known living forms. Do you know of any better? But no human can withstand outspace travel. A human pilot would be dead of heart failure long before the ship got anywhere near Proxima. But we don't need the whole body, Kramer said. We need only the brain. What? The problem is to find a person of high intelligence who would contribute in the same manner that eyes and arms are volunteered. But a brain? Technically, it could be done. Brains have been transferred several times when body destruction made it necessary. Of course, to a spaceship, to a heavy outspace cruiser, instead of an artificial body, that's new. The room was silent. It's quite an idea, Gross said slowly his heavy square face twisted. But even supposing it might work, the big question is whose brain? It was all very confusing. The reasons for the war, the nature of the enemy. The Yucane had been contacted on one of the outlying planets of Proxima Centauri. At the approach of the Terran ship, a host of dark slim pencils had lifted abruptly and shot off into the distance. The first real encounter came between three of the Yuck pencils and a single exploration ship from Terra. No Terrans survived. After that, it was all out war, with no holds barred. Both sides feverishly constructed defense rings around their systems. Of the two, the Yuckane belt was the better. The ring around Proxima was a living ring, superior to anything Terra could throw against it. The standard equipment by which Terran ships were guided in outspace, the Johnson Control, was not adequate. Something more was needed. Automatic relays were not good enough. Not good at all, Kramer thought to himself as he stood looking down the hillside at the work going on below him. A warm wind blew along the hill, rustling the weeds and grass. At the bottom, in the valley, the mechanics had almost finished. The last elements of the reflex system had been removed from the ship and crated up. All that was needed now was the new core, the new central key that would take the place of the mechanical system. A human brain, the brain of an intelligent, wary human being. But would the human being part with it? That was the problem. Kramer turned. Two people were approaching him along the road, a man and a woman. The man was gross, expressionless, heavy-set, walking with dignity. The woman was... He stared in surprise and growing annoyance. It was Dolores, his wife. Since they'd separated, he had seen little of her. Kramer, Gross said, look who I ran into. Come back down with us. We're going into town. Hello, Phil, Dolores said. Well, aren't you glad to see me? He nodded. How have you been? You're looking fine. 
She was still pretty and slender in her uniform, the blue-gray of internal security, Gross's organization. Thanks, she smiled. You seem to be doing all right, too. Commander Gross tells me that you're responsible for this project, Operation Head, as they call it. Whose head have you decided on? That's the problem, Kramer lit a cigarette. The ship is to be equipped with a human brain instead of the Johnson system. We've constructed special draining baths for the brain, electronic relays to catch the impulses and magnify them, a continual feeding duct that supplies the living cells with everything they need, but... But we still haven't got the brain itself, Gross finished. They began to walk back toward the car. If we can get that, we'll be ready for the tests. Will the brain remain alive? Dolores asked. Is it actually going to live as part of the ship? It will be alive.